from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome. This is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. It is a massive day for Notre Dame football. Can they bounce back from their first loss of the season to Cincinnati last week with a big road win in a hostile environment tonight at Virginia Tech? Or will the Irish suffer a second straight loss heading into a bye week likely resulting in absolute chaos for the program if there isn't chaos already? Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. So glad to be with you this morning. Joined as always by Kevin Downey. 7.30 kickoff for Notre Dame at Virginia Tech tonight on the ACC Network. So figure out how to get the ACC Network <laughs> if you don't have it. <laughs> Kevin, let's start right out of the gate. Where do you feel the Irish stands right now coming out of that game against Cincinnati? Uh, well, I'm just glad I had a week to uh, let my emotions go down a little bit. I thought it was a really frustrating game. I, I do think Cincinnati is a good team, um, but I really think Notre Dame could have beaten them um, <laughs> if they just had some consistency on offense. And I know we're going to talk all about that, you know, the quarterback position and the uh, offensive line woes. But then also um, – you know, defensively, for as much credit of defense and special teams beating Wisconsin and kind of pulling the team together, I I just felt like the uh, Notre Dame defense took a couple steps back uh, against Cincinnati. And again, maybe it's their Cincinnati's quarterback and their offense that, that hurt them, but whew, I don't know. Just super inconsistent, right? Super inconsistent. Uh, right. And Combine young players' injuries and inconsistencies. <laughs> That's what you get. I mean, and the quarterback play, the offensive line, I mean, <clears throat> it's just everything is just uh, felt like a, you know, and Cone has a good opening drive mm -hmm. and then throws the interception, an inexplicable interception, an interception that. Well, he's under pressure, too. Right, but I'm saying at the goal line, that's an interception that maybe, okay, if Tyler Buckner throws it, you get it, he's a freshman. That's not the interception yeah. you're able to handle. All right, we're going to get into quarterbacks <laughs> in a second because we don't know who's starting at quarterback, which is interesting. Ilya Glasman on the other side of the glass. He'll chip him on occasion with two cents from an ND fan. Ilya, uh, by the way, have you recovered from last week when you were rolling in here <laughs> high and muddy on the Irish and then they uh, fall 24-13 to snap their 26-game uh, home win streak? Uh, yeah, I'd say for the most part I have. I would say I would not recover if they lost tonight. Because Ooh. one loss usually uh, – the college football playoff is out of reach. You know, that's uh, – Unless there's absolute chaos. Uh, unless there's yeah. absolute chaos, right? But uh, a New Year's Six Bowl is still something that to strive for. That's still something to look forward to. So I'm pretty excited about, you know, that prospect at least. No, I, and that makes sense. I mean, I, I think – they don't have anyone on their schedule. It would have to be true chaos somehow for, for Notre Dame to get into the college football playoff at this point. But at this point, you're not worried about that. You're worried about let's just get the wheels back on the bus. Yeah. You know, if you can finish 11-1. I that's... mean, they're in a really tough stretch for the season. We we looked at this <laughs> these five games in the middle. As... Now, the benefit, the benefit to it is these teams are not as good as we, we thought coming in. Yeah. Now, the negative is Notre Dame is, is not, not as, as good, good as we thought coming in. And that's exactly. the bottom line. Everyone's like, well, they should win this game. And it's yeah. what we said from the beginning. Yeah, they can win every one of these games. And they can lose every one of these games yeah. because they have their faults. All right, on tap on this morning's show, 
Our poll question, if you are Brian Kelly, who would you start at quarterback? Apparently, who Brian Kelly may be voting for would be different than most of you. We will talk about that a lot in this segment. We have one of our biggest interview guests in the four years of our program, 1987 Heisman Trophy winner Tim Brown joins us. Amazing conversation about his faith journey while playing football. You won't want to miss it. Candid and powerful stuff from Touchdown Timmy coming up next segment in Focus on Faith. We, of course, break down... The matchup with Virginia Tech and the Irish offensive line hold up. But let's start with injury updates and potentially a rather big one here today. All right, we'll start with um, on the front end, uh, wide receiver Joe Wilkins now out for the season with a torn MCL. Good news, Kurt Heinisch expected back after missing two games with an upper body injury. Left tackle Michael Carmody has been practicing. Left tackle Tosh Baker has been cleared to play. Kelly said this week, Carmody, Baker, Joe Alt, Quinn Carroll, Josh Lugger, all options at tackle. That actually almost sounds more like a negative than a positive. <laughs> that we're talking about five different guys at tackle. And then here comes the big one. Yeah, Michael Mayer tweaked the growing against Cincinnati. Hasn't practiced too much. They've been managing him this week. Brian Kelly said they're optimistic Mayer will be able to help in this game. Again, I'm not trying to read too much into what Brian Kelly's saying, but when you say we're optimistic he can help us, and when he was in at practice it was, you know, red zone opportunities. Managed. And, yeah. managed. These are terms that say, I don't know if he's going to be on the field every offensive play in this game. I don't know if he'll be on the field 50% of the time. We'll just have to wait and see. And well, and during the game, I mean, I know it's fourth quarter. They had a chance. You want your best players out there. But when he was limping along, I was like, please just get that kid out. I mean, he's young. Make sure he's not injured for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, what are three extra plays going to do? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's a really good talent, but I, I think he's really good when he's not limping around. Well, here and here and here's the thing with all this. If, if he's... If he's not able to play to Michael Mayer's ability, I mean, how much worse is this offense? Yeah, no, he's he's consistent <laughs> as far as the receiver. Um, you know, he yeah, he gets great separation, but I mean, again, he that that seemed pretty uh, pretty severe. Like I and I, I'm old school as far as having people play through uh pain not necessarily injury but man i just i felt like he was really hampered especially near the end are you are your thoughts that based I, on what you saw as a longtime coach thinking he's not gonna you think he'll play today i think he'll possibly play a little bit but i think maybe even less than what kelly's leading on i don't know i mean there's you know, I almost listen to too many press conferences. <laughs> Kelly can be kind of confusing, confusing. with his uh, his camouflage that he throws up. I don't know, you know, at least as a coach, you don't read too much into uh, what the press clippings are. But I, I do. I think um, I think it was he looked pretty bad. I don't think we'll see a ton of him. If we do, maybe like you said, near the uh, red zone somewhere where he can match up well here it's funny you say that because i've been around brian kelly now what is it 12 years and just when i think i got a handle on reading brian kelly he throws a new loop for me and brian kelly after a loss no idea yeah he just he goes into he gets a defense mechanism yeah you just don't know what he's throwing usually it comes after a game this week it came on like monday and tuesday and, uh, you know, all sorts of bizarre stuff. 
you know, I thought I tweeted it out and posted on Facebook Saturday night. Yeah. Brian Kelly, he's got a tendency to throw players under the bus after losses. Hasn't done it the last couple of years, but most of those losses were to teams that you thought they probably were going to lose to, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson, Big Alabama. You know, when you had a regular Georgia. season loss that the fan base thought they should still win, regardless of the fact that Cincinnati was ranked right. higher and favored last week, the fan base thought they should win at home. And they should have won. They're at home and, and against a power uh, group of five team. Mm-hmm. I thought he handled himself well, and I thought the players handled themselves insanely well. We'll have a, a, a soundbite from the players coming up in a little bit, but we'll. But I'm jumping ahead in our in our rundown a little bit, but I might as well get it out of the way now because then Monday, everyone starts asking questions about the quarterbacks. Everyone yeah. starts asking questions about the offensive line. He gets super defensive about Jeff Quinn, his offensive line coach, saying that criticism is unfair. How is it unfair to criticize a coach? <laughs> I mean, if you want to say it's unfair to criticize a player, uh, okay. I mean, they're maybe they're, if they're young, maybe, but they also they're at, get the benefit of <laughs> all the accolades too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but a coach, <laughs> it is not unfair to criticize a coach. And they throws out, "We work seventy-seven hours this yeah, week." I, I don't that. care. You're making $4 million a year, Brian. I mean, I know Jeff Quinn's not making $4 million a year, but Brian Kelly is or something around that. I mean, come on. And then came the ridiculous of all ridiculousness. Tuesday night, we're supposed to get Avery Davis, Myron Tagliamosa, Cam Hart, and I'm trying to think of who the fourth player was. I can't think of it off the top of my head. And we get Avery Davis. Here's why. Because he grew up. Right outside of Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to make sure they didn't uh, mess with the, the the people back in Virginia, the yeah. columnists and the TV stations that wanted them. And then they tried out four walk-ons. They gave us no notice. They didn't give the walk-ons any notice. So they're yeah. putting the walk-ons in a terrible spot to go up there. I was almost considering trying to goad the walk-ons into telling me who the starting quarterback's going to be. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? They just found out. Yeah. They've never done interviews before. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put this kid in a bad position. So we had some fun with it. I posted a fun video on on Facebook and Twitter, and, and I'm not gonna take it out on the players. But what a bush league move! It was by bizarre. Brian Kelly. Yeah, when so, I saw that, I I, I don't know. <laughs> and they said, "Oh, the players voted." I, I don't care. You're the coach. You should know better. And you know what? If the captain said, "Oh, let's send on the walk-ons," then bat on the captains. That's a yeah. bad result from the captains. You want to send out the walk-ons, that's fine. Actually, I don't have a problem with sending out the walk-ons. Yeah. Send two or three walk-ons in addition to the players that were already going. Then that's cool. You want to have Avery Davis walk up and go, hey, here's my buddy. I'm, I'm going to do the interview with him. All right, let's do it. Yeah. I'll ask you a couple questions. We'll ask him a couple questions. We'll have fun. But it's... Look, it was a bizarre response. I mean, part of your job is to do media relations. I mean, and it's not the media. I don't know. And this was not the media relations department. Yeah. It was not them. They were caught off guard just as much as everybody else. So it was was not that. I mean, we had kids walking to the podium. We didn't even know their names yet. Like, we're whispering, like, who is it? And we had to, like, get passed down because I'm sorry. I don't know all the walk-ons, and I certainly don't know what they look like. Uh, because I have not met most of them. Now, I know Chris Velada is now. He's a pretty funny guy. And he played a couple games in special teams, and he hopes to be back with the media, he said one day, <laughs> for another reason, that he's earned the spot and been there. All right. 
Okay, so there's that tangent. Yes, yeah, strange, I, strange I had, week. I didn't. I I knew I had to get that off my chest, and I didn't know how much time I was gonna have to do it. But that just shows the turmoil, though, because you're not acting. You always say, "Oh, 24-hour rule. Act the same yeah. after a winter. After they're not acting the same." The, no. <laughs> well, and that that inconsistency and in, that you see on the field. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's pretty inconsistent during the week as well. But if I, he's acting that way with the media... Yeah, what's he like I, behind closed doors? <laughs> I imagine he's not. At, he's doing things differently behind the scenes. And maybe sometimes you're like, maybe that's a good thing. You're trying to get yeah, a spark. Maybe, yeah. And maybe, maybe he's thinking in his head, I'm going to rally up the troops, and if we can make this an us-against-the-world mentality, ah, screw the media! Yeah. And that's going to lead to win the game? Fine. All right, if that... I know you got to do whatever you got to do to win, yeah. but other than that, ridiculous. And you Just know what? Strange. And then, and then let's talk about the quarterback situation. So let's let's get this out of the way. Who you who do you think should start today, Kevin? I think Drew Pine, like number ten, far and away. Pine, easy. All right, uh, and I think, and I think that's part of the mystery. Like uh, I don't have more wins than Newt Rockney. <laughs> I was watching it with my kids, my my father in law, and and. You know, an uncle, a basketball player, and a golfer, and they said, "Wow, that guy's way better. Why don't they just play him?" And I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think so too. Uh, here's the poll question: If you were Brian Kelly, who should start today, tonight against Virginia Tech? We had nearly 600 votes. Okay. Tyler Buckner got six percent. Okay, that sounds about right. You want to guess what percentage Drew Pine got? I don't. To me, it's it's not even close. I don't see the. So, okay, so what percentage do you think you got? Uh, let's go, eighty five percent. Eighty three percent said Drew Pine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jack Cohn got eleven percent. Brian Kelly won't announce. He he said on Monday he knows who the quarterback is. He didn't want to say it then because he had to tell the players. Fine, I get that. Yeah. But then he says, I I ask him. I go, all right, are you gonna tell us later in the week? He goes. No, 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 I don't think I will. I go, all right, is that for... I just don't feel it's a strategic advantage. (laughs) I don't understand. Well, hold on. He said it wasn't a strategic advantage either because because Virginia Tech knows all three quarterbacks. And I'm like, well, then why wouldn't you just tell us? (laughs) If it's not a strategic advantage, what is the point of not saying anything? I don't know. All right. Weird games. So then on Thursday... Tim Priester asked a question. I'm gonna we're gonna air Tim's question mm-hmm. in addition to the answer, so we get the full scope that basically tells us who the quarterback is. On one hand, you'd probably like to start a veteran quarterback this weekend in a hostile environment, and on the other hand, you'd probably like somebody a little bit more mobile versus Virginia Tech's aggressive defense. I wonder how you weighed those varied factors in determining a starter as early as uh monday or sunday yeah those were part of the factors i think i think uh you know going on the road in the environment uh that we're in uh was a factor um you know mobility is a bit of a factor um it needed to be evaluated um and then uh you know certainly uh you know grading out um, and, you know, I think from our, you know, overall perspective, um, you know, what 
of, of the guys, you know, who gives us the best chance to win. This is still about Ten winning seconds. football games. And so when we added all those things up, that's, that's how we came up with the decision, but all those are accurate um, that they needed to be considered. Needed to be considered. Mobility eh, is a bit of a factor to be evaluated. <laughs> Being able to handle yourself on a road ride. Oh, that's very important. All right. Clearly, if he's telling us the truth in that soundbite, maybe he's not. If he is telling us the truth, that's Jack Cohen. I'm not. I'm not nuts here, right? Well, he basically he basically just said Jack Cohen's the quarterback, unless he's lying to us. Which, again, if he's claiming I'm not trying to do game and chip, I'm, and he's trying to make it seem like Jack Cohen's going to play, and then he's going to try out Drew Pine. Fine. Yeah. If that's what you think is going to work, I don't know if it matters. Just say you're starting Drew Pine and. Who cares? And I don't know. Yeah, that's strange. By the way, just to point things out, everyone thinks Drew Pine played much better than Jack Cohn in the game. Cohn had a great yes. opening drive, okay. and then he throws a horrible interception. Horrific. Mm-hmm. Terrible. One you should never throw. <laughs> By the way, in the end, Cohn was 14 of 22. Pine was 9 of 22 in that game last week. Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, I mean, I guess a couple now, of I know stats. He's ch- yeah, no interception. And he's, up st- and he's chucking up stuff at the end, so made Pine's numbers look worse. Well, and again, they're, they're drops. There were like three uh, oh, perfectly the, thrown plays that would have had the them Kevin win the game. Aw- Kevin Austin play over the middle. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Man, that was brutal. <laughs> that changed the entire game. That's when I knew. I was like, nope, today's not. What is that? Right? I mean, he was, what, at he the, was wide open right at midfield. Yeah. He was at not midfield, a player a, within sight for at least a good 10 yards. I mean, and it might not have been a perfect. And here's the thing. It wasn't a perfectly placed ball. It should have been easily caught. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been. Um, I, I assume Drew Pine must be terrible in practice. This is this is the only thing I did think about that. But then okay, let's it's let's just be... let's evaluate his game. I, well, for some also... reason everything works better. Why? It doesn't make any sense. But he like... also must be making mistakes in the game that we're not seeing. And, and you know this as a as a coach though, Kevin, right? There's there Yeah, are there's things... reads, there's things that you ask him to do, but to me, like same bad offensive line, right? Lots of different guys that are injured and young. But when he's in there, there seems to be a flow, and he doesn't get as much pressure. Like, I don't even – when I look at Jack Cohn, I don't think, wow, that's the most immobile human being I've ever seen. But when you just watch the game unfold, he is just getting trounced. I don't know if it's that there is absolutely no threat of a run, but it just doesn't make sense. They're with, with 10, with Pine, there's Drew Pine, there's a chance for their offense to be fairly complete and survive. And – in two halves, he's done really well and, and led them back. Why not give him a game? Like, you recruited the guy, right? You believe in him. Uh, um, uh, maybe they – well, they say they do, and he's proven it this year. All right, hold on. We're going to do more quarterbacks in a second, but big thank you to Tyrac for all the support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience. Helping out with broadcasts of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. All right, Kelly said we're going with one guy, all right? So that means no Tyler Buckner, right? I mean, we're going with one guy. It's going to be Pine or Cone, right? Right? Well, then he asked a clarification question on Thursday, and here's what he had to say about Tyler Buckner.
you know, what I was saying more than anything else, it was important to, to, to really um, rally behind one quarterback, but it doesn't, it doesn't take the, the, the opportunity for us to be, um, um, you know, multiple, if we feel like Tyler Buckner can add to, you know, what we're doing uh, as a part of our offense. Um, I don't want to call him a wildcat because he's not, he can do much more, but you know, offenses use that um, as part of their established offensive structure. So uh, we need an established singular offensive structure. But if if we feel like um, we need to add to it uh, to be better at moving the football, I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't say Tyler Buckner's out of the uh, the options of, of playing uh, in any game this year. It's really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and why okay what if it's going? confusing to the media then what's it like in the in the and maybe it's practice? not maybe maybe it's not they behind. Say, hey i'm gonna tell all these guys the world something but we know the secret uh, it doesn't make yeah. sense well, or in fairness to tyler buckner if he he can run around and make plays and do some things just have him run normal offense he'll be making up weird things with third string players to have that guy run and and again maybe it's a hey uh tyler you're not you're uh you're not playing this week but i'm gonna tell i'm gonna say you are or i'm gonna hint that you might so that virginia tech keeps on preparing for you i i well again and during the game when he did one true normal drop back pass not part of his little package and the defensive end came around on a twist and absolutely planted the guy. I thought, this isn't fair to him either. Yeah. Like, he, he, this is insane. Why do you have number 10 on the sidelines watching this kid get just annihilated and it, it resulted in a turnover? Like, it's weird and strange things that are not conducive to consistent good football. If if he's telling the truth in these mini interviews, I don't even know what he's gaining because – if you say Tyler Buckner is not playing this week, well, maybe. they still got to prepare. No, they still got to prepare for him because then you go and play him and it's fine. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you say. Coaches are gonna look yeah. at it. Is he is he saying this? But means that you got to prepare anyway. So it'll make a difference. Yeah, it's strange. But so if we take about face value, I don't know what the heck's going on. That's the bottom line. Yep. All right. Uh, man, we're running late. I knew the quarterbacks were gonna kill us. <laughs> um, real quick. Uh, let's get in this soundbite from Drew White and Michael Mayer after the game. Uh, just the raw emotions after the game from Drew White and Michael Mayer. At the end of the day, I think Notre Dame beat Notre Dame today. Um, made too many mistakes. Um, didn't execute well. I told the guys it's the 24-hour rule, same as uh, same as a win. So, you know, we've had a lot of wins. We celebrate that win for 24 hours and we're back into work. And that's exactly how we're going to handle this loss for 24 hours. This guy's going to be down. We're going to be watching film. We're not going to feel good about it. But coming coming in Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to be ready. We're going to prepare. Um, we're going to be ready for Virginia Tech because it's going to be a good game. And they're going to try and beat us too. Um, and so we can't let one game define the rest of our season. We need to, we need to continue to battle um, and come back. Mike, what's the, the mood in the locker room there as you guys were trying to get yourself together after, after the defeat? I don't know. I mean, we just lost, so uh, probably not not too good. I mean, that uh, makes me like him more. Uh, I, and I'm somebody like, honest. <laughs> I, I I asked the question, and I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. He's like, "What do you think, buddy?" 
you're an idiot. Why are you asking me this question? Fine. Thank you. I don't care. You're raw. You're emotional. Yeah. And you're telling me the truth. I'm I'm okay with you saying, what do you – come on, man. I'm mad. Yeah, I'm mad. That's fine. And he was even more mad because he was hurt. Oh. Yeah, so – and kudos to him for coming to the media. I thought, and again, through, yeah. the players handling themselves well. Drew, uh, Drew White saying Notre Dame beat Notre Dame. That's kind of what we've been saying as well. And I don't know. Well, and he even had a great – you know, that interception. Like, he, yeah, he, he – played pretty well too i don't know i i yes it is a confusing time to be a notre dame follower for sure all right um offensive line gonna look any better today uh well we got a lot of different people who can go in there <laughs> <laughs> um, i think it depends on who's quarterback with drew pine yeah. i think that there's a timing issue that works for some reason and i think if that happens it'll be good if we play lots of different quarterbacks it could magnify the problem. Yeah, I mean, based on what he said about Buckner, if we take him at face value, I think we might end up seeing all three quarterbacks today. Yeah. Cone might start. Buckner might go. It might be the exact same thing. Yeah, second half Drew Pine. We'll see if we can. Well, or maybe at least put him in a little bit earlier. Maybe put him in in the. What? Yeah. Uh, I mean. It'd be pretty neat to see him have a game. It'd yeah. be fun. He hasn't even started a game yet. Maybe give him a chance. All right. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> Notre Dame, Virginia Tech more at the back end of the segment or back end of the show. We got a go to commercial <laughs> and still to come uh we'll like i said we'll break down the matchup with virginia tap up next an interview with 1987 heisman trophy winner tim brown you won't want to miss it Notre Dame fcu's irish sports saturdays is back right after this we know you like football so do we we're tire and this is our version of a two-minute drill except it's only 30 seconds TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than 80 years. Get a debit or credit card from Notre Dame FCU and take a little bit of Notre Dame with you wherever you go. Member-owned not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Time now for our Focus on Faith interview, and it's with uh, the legendary Tim Brown. I imagine, Kevin, uh, back in the day growing up here in South Bend, that was one great football player to watch as a kid for you. Yeah, he well, he was great at Notre Dame, and then again, his NFL career was awesome too. I was a Raiders fan. Oh, you were a, Raider, a okay. Raiders fan as a kid, so that that was pretty pretty cool. And I was not a Raiders fan as a kid. I did not grow up in South Bend, yeah. and I loved him as a kid as well. I mean, he he was that good as a as a Raider, and of course, uh, he's Notre Dame's last Heisman Trophy winner in 1987, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, an extraordinary player for the Raiders after his ND career ended, uh, college football, pro football Hall of Fame. I've been blessed to interview Tim a lot over the years, especially when he went into the college football Hall of Fame back in 2009, but we've never had a chance to talk about his faith, and he was so open and honest about his journey and the, the struggles he had at times, very real and candid stuff about that. So here's Focus on Faith with the great Tim Brown. All right, Tim, first of all, thanks for joining us here today. I've interviewed you a ton of times over the years, but we never got a chance to, to talk about faith and happy to be able to do that with you now. Take us back, Tim, to, to your 
maybe starts, your roots as a kid, and, and how important faith was in your family growing up? Man, look, um, I, um, I grew up in church, brother. I mean, I was born and raised in church. And when I say that, I mean that because Wednesday night, Friday night, all day Sunday, we were in church. But it was something that I really enjoyed because, um, first of all, I was playing, you know, percussions or playing the. We didn't have drums, so we had a drum. So I played the drum <laughs> when, I, when I was six, seven years old at, at the church, and um, so I was, um, I was always, always eager to go, you know, to be able to, to do that. So, um, so it was just a part of my life, man. I mean, and to be honest with you, as I got older. And realized that a lot of kids didn't go to church uh, like I did. You know, I couldn't figure out if I was weird or if they were weird. But I knew there was a difference between my life and and the life of like, some of these kids that I was I was interacting with. I know you're not Catholic, but did Notre Dame and your faith life play a factor in your decision to go to Notre Dame, or did that not really have a factor in any way? Um, certainly a faith-based, um, you know, uh, school was something that we were looking for, but, you know, I mean, I think my parents and everyone around just liked the fact that we were, um, we were looking at a university that did things different. Right. And, um, and certainly I believe that's because of it being faith-based that it is, you know, that they do do things differently. So I think from that standpoint, it played a part, but didn't play a part, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and then, you kind of said, you know, you weren't sure if you were the weird one or if others were the weird ones. And then almost in everyone's faith journey, probably around those times, you know, you kind of lose your way. When did when did you start maybe not not living the faith life as well as you would have liked? When did that kind of start for you, Tim? Um, well, certainly, you know. You know what uh, <laughs> they used to call them little fast tail girls. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you get, you get, you get, uh, you get somebody whispering in your ear, man. That uh, that uh, things that uh, <clears throat> you've never heard before, and you get your boys, you know, on you about you know not not having been with the woman then it, it becomes tough, man. It becomes tough to, you got, you got a woman on one hand challenging you and you got your boys on the other hand challenging you. And, you know, it, it becomes very difficult. And, you know, unfortunately for me, <clears throat> you know, that happened at a relatively young age and, uh, you know, and, um, and, you know, you realize, wow, th this wasn't so bad, you know, and, you know, you sort of, you know, continue that lifestyle and, you know, you get to the point where all of a sudden now you're sitting in California with a pocket full of money and, and you got all these beautiful women around you and it becomes an issue. You know, it becomes a real issue. You know, I, I never drank alcohol in my life. I never smoked a joint in my life, you know, wasn't really, a, a partying guy per se. I certainly enjoyed my time. You know, but, uh, you know, I wasn't one that was going to stay up three or four o'clock in the morning partying and doing all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but I had some issues that I was dealing with, man. And uh, so and it became tougher because um, the, the situation I was in became easier to to manipulate not only myself, but other people. Um, and um, so from that standpoint, it just um, 
uh, from 16 till I was about 25, man, I was just really going through it. And, um, and when I was about 25, uh, that's when I realized that I had to, I had to, you know, start doing things differently. We're talking to Tim Brown, legendary former Heisman Trophy winner from Notre Dame, pro football, college football, Hall of Famer. Uh, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview. Tim taking us through his, his faith journey. You mentioned at 25, what, what, what clicked? What changed? What happened that you realized it's time to, to stop acting the way I'm acting and, and, and be, become closer to God again? Yeah, well, you know, I, I literally felt like I never forget, man. I was in my tri tri level condo in Manhattan Beach, California, and um, I was brushing my teeth, and and I looked in the mirror, mirror, and it's like I just heard the spirit say, "Tim Brown, when are you gonna do my will?" And I mean, almost to the point where I, I felt like I almost dropped my toothbrush, right? Because I felt like I, I almost heard an audible voice, you know, but it's like it, the spirit was saying to me, when are you going to do my will? And I literally was, you know, trying to justify, hey, I'm a great guy. You know what I mean? I got five girlfriends, but I treat them all well. You know what I mean? And, you know, I don't do this. I don't do that. And constantly what I heard was, when are you going to do my will? And, and it, it was, it was just a moment that I just had to go, wow. Okay. And, and look, I, I'm not trying to tell you that once I heard that, you know, I went cold Turkey and, you know, it was a process. It was a process of elimination. And, um, you know, I think I had to, you know, come to grips with where I was in, in my faith walk and where I was in reality, you know, with, with, you know, with the situation that I had at hand. And, but it, it's just amazing how God, you know, eliminated this, this person and that person. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, a pretty, pretty wild how all that happened, you know, so to the point where, you know, two or three years later, you know, I was, I was in a position where I could say, okay, I'm ready. I'm really ready to do this right now. Okay. When you say, when are you going to do my will? And that's what you're hearing. How did you then take that message to do God's will? Well, you know, because what 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 was implied was that what you're doing right now is not my will. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so what I, I knew growing up in church, exactly what that meant. You know, the man that I was supposed to be, you know, the uh, the leader that I was supposed to be, you know, what I mean, and at this time I had a son already. Um, so who was, you know, three, four years old, three years old. So. Um, so I knew that, um, you know, I should be doing things differently with my life. And, um, so it, it was not, you know, the hard thing for, for, for a person like me, when you grew up in church and you've been in, you've heard a million messages and you read the Bible through and through, you know, you know, exactly. So it wasn't a matter of me having to go, Oh, I have to, let me figure out what this is all about. I knew exactly what I need to do, but trying to, I always felt like if I tried to like, okay, everybody leave and I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. Never, never, ever again. Then, you know, it would be one of those situations where you do it too fast. And all of a sudden you go, wait, what did I do? But I think the way that God 
did things for me during that time. Um, even, you know, I, I got saved two weeks before I met my wife, two weeks. And I really believe that. And no, 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 I got to tell you the story. My, one of my teammates, God rest his soul, Chester McLaughlin, passed away at 42 years old at, and back in 2011. Um, Chester McLaughlin met my wife a year and a half before I met her, right? Now, when he met her on a Friday night, because she lived in the same apartment complex as she that he did, they had this this community deal that she cooked the food and all this kind of stuff. He came in Saturday morning and told me, I met your wife last night. I met your wife? Yes. <laughs> he told me, I met your wife last night. And I was like, is that right? He was like, yeah, she's a beautiful girl. She's a Christian girl. And, you know, she's a great cook. And, and I was like, hold up, bro. I said, if she's all that, why are you not, you know, he was like, man, she's too good for me. So <laughs> he said, she's too good for me. And the only reason I didn't meet her before is because I I didn't trust. I was like, Chet, are you, I know you. And there's no way a girl is going to be this fine or this whatever. And you're not trying to, and he just kept laughing like, Tim, I'm telling you, I don't want to, I don't want to go around this girl. That's how, you know, she is like, you know, the, she's like God and, and, and like, like, like we're looking at God or something. You know what I mean? You know, when we see her, everybody's like, just leave her alone. Just leave her alone. Let her do her thing. She cooks the food. She goes in the room. She let us do whatever. And she comes back out, cleans up and she's out. And I was like, bro, why are you lying to your boy like that? So, I mean, this was this went on for a year and a half almost. And uh, at his wedding, she comes walking in. I don't know it's her. I'm sitting with 20 football players, and everybody's like, oh, my God, look at that girl. Da-da-da. You know, that's the one. That's the one. And uh, he ha- he just happened to have us sitting together at the table at his reception. We hit it off, da-da-da, this and that. And I'm leaving early because the next day is my mom's birthday. I'm going home on a red eye from California. And I go up to him and say, man, I'm out of here. I was like, dude, this, this girl is Cherise. I was like, man, if I'd have met her six months ago, we'd be having a double wedding right now. And he literally grabbed me by the collar and was like, boy, that's the girl I've been trying to get you to meet for a year and a half. So, um, so you know, uh, but I wasn't ready, man. Uh, my mindset was not not there. I would have probably been trying to play the same games on her that I was doing with everybody else. And, uh, but thankfully, you know, um, you know, during that time, that little two week period, you know, gave me a chance to look at things differently. What an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that one, Tim. How did, uh, and we're talking to Tim Brown, former Notre Dame Heisman trophy winner here on Notre Dame federal credit unions, Irish sports Saturdays, our focus on faith interview. How then did, as you find yourself here, um, did your faith then help you uh, in the in the locker room, you know, to try to translate that with your teammates? I read something that you were saying it helped being really good at football that people would listen to you uh, uh, more because yeah. y- you were one of the you were the top. You were the man. You were the guy in the locker room. Yeah. You know, I, I think the first thing, the biggest mistake I, I believe Christian athletes make is they believe that they're called to go into a locker room and, and thump the Bible, be a Bible thumper, as we call them. And, um, and I, I believe that is the biggest mistake that, that, that Christian athletes can make um, because guys are not 
sweating and doing all that, especially in the NFL locker room. You're not doing everything you do on the football field to come into a locker room and and hear hear that. You know what I mean? And um, so I believe that you have to draw people to you or be drawn to people in order for you to be effective. Because otherwise, you know, people, when you come around, people are going to be like, oh, here you come, here you come, whatever, whatever. Well, my situation, you know, I felt bad because the locker room was is a rowdy place, right? I mean, I, I tell people some of the more more damnable things happen in a locker room, and at the same time, I believe that you can solve world peace in an NFL locker room, uh, you know. But you know, you you have to be sometimes careful about what you say and what you do. Uh, but in, in certain situations, you know, I felt like you know for years I had brought a lot of the calamity into to the locker room and now all of a sudden i'm trying to take it out right and how am i going to do that and still keep my position as a captain as a, as a leader of this football team and what i chose to do was to live my life you know because people didn't believe you everybody's like oh tim brown everybody tries to do this god thing uh but you know nobody nobody lasts you know so you know, I think for me, it was really just a matter of, uh, not just a matter, but I just said to myself, I'm going to live this thing the way I know how to live it. And whatever happens, happens. And uh, But at the same time, if my play would have ever dropped on the field, then everybody would have blamed it on, on, on that. They would, they would have blamed it on me because we had a couple guys, and I won't name any names, but we had guys who would, who all of a sudden were, were professing faith and, you know, when they dropped the ball, they would be saying, oh, God didn't want me to catch that pass. <laughs> you know, when they fumble the ball, well, God wanted me to fumble. You know, it's like, hold up, bro. You know, like God, God, is not, God is not in all that. You know what I mean? But uh, and I, I just thought that that was the wrong way and that was not the, the, the right way to, to represent, you know, your, your faith anyway. So I chose not to do that. I chose to stay quiet, live my life, let people see what I was doing, and it took it took a while. It took over a season for it to happen, but you you saw guys start to pull me over. Hey, man, you know whatever you're doing is is much different than than I saw this guy do or that guy do or this, this guy. So let me know what's going on. Can we can we talk? Can I come over to your house? You know, and all and I started to get those kind of kinds of uh, conversations with guys going. You know, younger guys coming into the league like Tim Brown. Man, I've never heard you curse. You ain't never cursed in your life. I used, I, I used to curse coaches out, players out, my teammates out, certainly referees. I cursed them out all the time, without a doubt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and he was like, man, I can't believe it. Well, that was my opportunity to to tell them, well, hey, God, God took all that away from me. You know, he, he took that, the, 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 um, the, the feeling of wanting to curse somebody out. He just, he took all that away, you know, because I asked him to take it away from me. You know what I mean, and and now you get you get to have these real deep conversations, man. I'm 38 years old. You got guys coming into the league 21, 22. I can almost be their dad. You know what I mean, and um, so having the opportunity to to show guys you can play this game at a high high level and still serve God was something that uh, I felt very proud of proud of when I walked away from the game. You've been married almost uh, 25 years now. Uh, you have a bunch of great kids. How do you live your life now, Tim, as that role model for your children to 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 be a man of God? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think 
you have to um you have to keep living, man. I mean, even even when it seems like there's a good time for you to say something that is um that is out of line or whatever, you, you always have to be godly, you know. You always have to approach every situation because the one thing I know is my my eighteen year old son who just called me a second ago while we we're on this call, um, he's looking. He's watching. And I know that because when I hear him talk to other people, he'll talk about what his dad does and what his dad doesn't do, you know? And I, I was uh, in, in a situation with him. I was at a baseball game and I was talking to a guy to the right and he was talking to a guy to the left and I finished talking to the guy to the right. And I was just, you know, watching a baseball game, but I'm listening to him talk, man. And the guy was like, you hey, little Timmy, you, you seem to be so composed. Da, 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 this and, that. and he was like, well, my dad does that. Da, 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 da. And my dad didn't do that. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow. You know what I mean? And this was, you know, six months ago. And, it, it, you know, it was just one of those things that makes you go, wow, you know, they are really watching you. They're watching everything that you do. So so for me, you know, living again, because I, I have the background and I know what to do, how to do it and all this kind of things, uh, all those kind of things, you know, it hasn't been a very difficult because I'm not searching for where God wants me to be or what I need to do because I know those things. I was taught those things at an early age. And it's just something that you have to be always cognizant of because, you know, not only your family, but, you know, people around them, they're always watching. Tim, thank you so much for for sharing your your whole journey. This has been an incredible conversation. I want to sneak in one Notre Dame question. Uh, yeah, can you play offensive line? <laughs> oh my God, man! I tell you what, it, it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch because we were so spoiled from being such a dominant offensive line for years and years and years. And uh, to have this one semi-down year is uh, is a very tough thing for for his defense for sure. But uh, look, man, I, I'm just hoping week after week that the guys get better. And uh, if that happens, then you know we'll have a very solid football team at the end of the year and going into next year. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. But I feel for the big guys because it's tough. It's tough when you uh, you feel like you're out there on the island. And uh, it's, it certainly seems like uh, that's the situation right now with, uh, with a couple of offensive linemen. Tim, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. The legendary Tim Brown. Uh, extraordinary interview. I mean, he was, he was honest in every sense, uh, yeah. from Notre Dame to certainly his faith journey. Uh, what are your takeaways, Kevin? Uh, again, the honesty and, and a couple of really good laughs. <laughs> the way he put it, I guess we're all on the uh, – Faith journey of maturing and becoming the people we want to be and we want our kids to look up to. So, and now married almost twenty five years, as he talked about. It's a great story. Too. He talked about his <laughs> vice being women, and now uh, happily married and faithful to his wife for twenty five years. Four kids, two boys, two girls, and Timmy Jr., who he referenced, I believe, I believe that's who he was referencing there. Um, now is actually here at at Holy Cross College. So, uh, oh, cool. as a student there, so great interview with uh, Tim Brown, and we appreciate him coming on. I think that might be my uh, my favorite one that we've had in uh, in these four years. It was it was pretty powerful stuff. All right, up next, what to expect? It's our game day sprint on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. 
When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Time now for our game day sprint. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Elia Glasman back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame 4-1 on the season, ranked 14th at Virginia Tech tonight. 7.30 kickoff in Blacksburg on ACC Network. Fourth all-time meeting between these two schools but it's actually the fourth time in six years that they've played. Notre Dame leads 2-1 as they've had all their all-time meetings in the last four years. Most recently, Notre Dame winning 21-20 at Notre Dame Stadium in 2019. In their only meeting in Blacksburg, Notre Dame won 45-23 back in 2018. Certainly, uh, for those watching on Facebook and YouTube, you can see the atmosphere <laughs> of Lane Stadium. It is a rowdy place, and... I guess maybe that's one of the reasons. Maybe it's Jack Cohn at quarterback for Notre Dame because Kevin's shaking his head. Yeah. But, I mean, atmosphere could play a factor, certainly. True. That It'll would be, be intense. That would be a very tough place for Drew Prine to make his first career start. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the environment's going to be really intense. The, uh, I guess the one thing that I see that is a constant to look forward to is this is going to be a really good game as far as it being close in my, in my mind because – Notre Dame has played every game close this year. Yeah. Virginia Tech has played every game fairly close this year. The only people that they really got after was Middle Tennessee State, which they should. And then, um, man, the the series, you know, if you look at the scores, they're they're really close. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game, great atmosphere. Um, you know, again, I used to love the old Bud Foster defense. Now it's, you know, new faces, new names, but they still are – consistently good at uh, defense and special teams and it's a great environment as far as Virginia Tech all right let's look at Virginia Tech's offense uh, led by Braxton Burmeister yep. the quarterback what challenges does he bring what challenges does their offense bring as a whole well uh, he's he's a good runner um, he's transferred from Oregon I, five touchdowns zero interceptions but then they match up really well too on the outside they have uh, Quite a few weapons. So number eleven, Trey Turner, sixteen catches, two hundred and fifty yards, and number nine, uh, Tavion Robinson, fourteen catches, one hundred and sixty-six yards, two touchdowns. I the running backs are tough too. Maybe I would think that they're going to be good for at least one touchdown because they're going to isolate a linebacker and catch a pass, probably a wheel route out of the backfield. But this is not their strength. Their strength is <laughs> is the defense. And yeah. that's a problem because that's obviously Notre Dame's weakness right now. Virginia Tech's defense ranked 10th in the nation in scoring defense. They're only giving up 15 points per game. Yeah, and again, they're kind of led by two linebackers. The leading tackler um, is number 34, Alan Tisdale. And then uh, number four, at least according to their media guy, Dax Holyfield's a middle linebacker. He's supposed to be their, their uh, leader. And then, you know, one guy has three interceptions, number two, cornerback uh, Jermaine Waller. Waller. So, yeah, they're, they're tough. And I think it's easy just to kind of watch the left guard and left tackle because uh, that's where the issues are in the quarterback for Notre Dame. But I think the wheels will totally come off the bus if the nose guards for the other team, 12 and 3, um, some big boys that do really well, if – he, they get after the best offensive lineman, Jarrett Patterson. It won't matter who's at quarterback. It'll just be a nightmare. And then red zone 
four games, Virginia Tech has only allowed teams to reach the red zone seven times. In five games, Notre Dame has only reached the red zone 11 times. And Notre Dame has only scored touchdowns on six of those 11 trips. So that could be a problem. All right, keys to the game. Uh, we only got a minute left, so Kevin, your keys to the game here? Close game, I think the turnover battle is going to be it. Ilya? Ride the pine. Right. <laughs> That's GP. good. Uh, and I say score first and don't commit the first turnover. It's an obvious yeah. one. Uh, game prediction, Kevin, what do you got? I think it'll be close. Uh, Notre Dame 21, Virginia Tech 20. I'm going uh, Notre Dame scores a late uh, touchdown. Notre Dame 28, Virginia Tech 17. I'll go Notre Dame 23, Virginia Tech 20, but I'll say this. Uh, we've all we've been wrong the last couple weeks. Yeah. So um, I don't know what to expect in this one, but it uh, – Expect the unexpected. I, I don't feel good about my prediction. Uh, yeah, by the way, either. that's my same prediction from last week. <laughs> yeah, I kept if, Cone, if Cone plays, we lose. Uh, I'll say that. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, and you may not be wrong on that. Yeah. And if, if Cone plays, we lose, you say. If Cone just yes. starts. Oh, that's it in play. Okay, very good. Uh, uh, well, we'll see who ends up starting here tonight. That's yeah. all the fun in, in this game. All right, guys, thank you very much. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator and producer today, Ilya Glasman. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, 730 kickoff on the ACC Network. If you have Comcast, you don't get it. Get a YouTube trial. We'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. This is Leonard DiLorenzo, host of Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. On Church Life Today, we talk with pastoral leaders and scholars about some of the most important theological, social, and ministerial issues in the church, digging deeper than sound bites or hot takes. If that sounds good to you, join us on Mondays during the noon hour right here on Redeemer Radio or pick up episodes wherever you get your podcast or directly at spokestreet.com slash churchlife. Hi, this is Angel DiCarlo. By now, I'm sure you've heard the commercials about Elevate 150 from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. My wife and I took part in the free financial checkup and got Redeemer Radio $150, so pretty awesome there. But we also got a lot more. Notre Dame FCU helped us out with a bunch of items that we have been pushing off for a while. Now we're in a much better position financially thanks to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Now it's your chance for better financial health. Sign up for a free checkup at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate.